Welcome back to another episode of Claptrap with Martin Totland and Mike the Lummox, the only podcast with episodes every week. <laughs> Mike, how are you? It's been a long time since I've seen you. It has been a long time. Yeah, I'm 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 alive. You You're know, alive. I'm, no, I'm very grateful to be alive. Think about that. Think about the odds of being born and I know, staying the fact alive. That we're even existing in the first place is minuscule. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if they're listen, if my parents decided to have a child, like mm-hmm. I don't know, even an hour after yeah. they were supposed to conceive me or whatever, like I, I would be a different me. Absolutely. <laughs> or would it be me? Or would it be it would be someone else? Yep. <laughs> Mike, do you know how I just looked it up? Do you know how many days it's been since our last episode came out? Oh my god. Oh, let me guess. A hundred and twenty. You are very close. One hundred and twenty-seven days. Oh. Yeah, Damn, September fifteenth, twenty twenty-two was our that, last episode. That is a black mark against me. No, well, <laughs> so it's not just you; it's just life and circumstances. We've been uh, wanting to to do more episodes more frequently, but sometimes life just gets in the way. Yeah, I um, I I had some pretty extenuating personal circumstances. Yeah. Um, I'm not an excuse guy, so it's not an excuse, but I do believe but it in that there are, it's an explanation for what's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, there are there are reasons and explanations for things. And the reason is that I actually lost my job back in November. And that was that pretty sucks. I'm sorry to hear it that. was pretty devastating. I just, most people well, they probably don't remember now. But if anyone does remember, yeah. I work I work in tech and tech has been getting slammed, which we're going to talk about mm-hmm. a little bit. And yeah. I was part of that slamming. And I don't. I don't think that and this is slightly tangential, but like, go for it. I, when I first happened, I was, I was crushed. I was like, I can't believe this. I just never, I knew that there was a chance, a good chance. My company could lay people off, Yeah, but I just didn't think it would impact me because I thought my role was important mm-hmm. and I was one of the higher performers in the org. And that's, that's, that's not me equivocating. That's just true. Yeah. Um, and they, they did. Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, what the fuck did I do? I just kept for like a few days. I was like, what did I do? It must what be could a I have shock. Done? It just feels surreal. Yeah. And well, the only thing that helped me feel better was looking at all the amazing other people who got laid off. Like people who I know are top notch, exceptional workers and really valuable to the organization. Yeah. And so what I came to the conclusion of is that, look, the people that put the company in the financial position that it was in are these man are managers. Well, we, you know, managers don't, it's not like a middle manager. Manager means like the management of the company, which is the executives essentially. Right. right. The management did that. They're the ones who overshot and forecasted, you know, insane demand for all these years mm. and hired accordingly and never thought that things could slow down. Right. Yeah pursuing growth at all costs yada 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 like every tech company right they did that now i just want to ask was your company one of these uh, tech companies that experienced a huge surge in in usage and and revenue during the pandemic yeah they did they did and well they couldn't have thought that the pandemic would last forever i i mean especially when vaccine started to come around it's like when it, it's like when you're when you're just making money hand over fist. Which, because yeah. remember, it, you have to think about how companies operate. You have these executives that are mm. equity stakeholders, and you have a board that's equity stakeholders, right? Yeah, that they are they make money when the stock price goes up. Like yep. 
if you own like 30% of a public company, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. Which that exists in some cases, you know, yep. you, you're a founder of a company, you retain that much equity, you go public. You're technically entitled to 30% of the profits, technically, but nobody takes that much net money. You know, like you you basically that you try to compensate yourself with stock um stock compensation. So either yeah. you're granted more stock, which has a cash value, mm-hmm. or you are or the value of your existing stock goes up or both. And that's how most executives are compensated. So if you think about what what their what their interests are, right? If investors are rewarding companies that are growing 90% year over year, yeah. You're, you're going to be like, well, shit, let's let's do the same thing so that let's we can also going. get the rewards for that, right? Yeah, and can conversely, now when investors are rewarding companies that are um have more what we call, you know, free cash flow, which is essentially like income or revenue that that is not really earmarked for anything, right? Like you could choose to spend it wherever you want. Yeah. So you could choose to pay down debt, or you can choose to invest in new services, or you can choose to whatever you want. Pay it's it back to cash that's not earmarked, essentially. Pretty much, yeah. You could yeah. you could choose to pay it back to investors, right? So now they're rewarding that. Well, now yeah. all these companies that were investing all their money in growth at the expense of profitability, now they have to completely do a one eighty mm. because now that's what investors want. So it's really about stock price. You have to think about how companies work and how their executives which are the management of the company, how they're compensated. Yeah. Well, I, I know that we don't have to talk about which company it was or anything. We don't have to go into too much detail, but I do remember you telling me that it was your dream job or dream company to work for. So that must have just kind of added to the stress and shock of, of being let go along with so many other people. I dreamt of working at that company for years. and. Yeah. And you got it. You got the job. That was incredible. I remember I came to visit you in Miami right after you'd landed it. And I I was I was ecstatic. I couldn't yeah. believe it. It was yeah. like everything. I felt like finally I could be like, okay, wow. I can finally just focus on this one thing and stop thinking about the future and how mm-hmm. I'm trying how I need to build wealth in all these different ways and how I can keep, you know, climbing the corporate ladder. Because yeah. I felt like I had landed in a place that's gonna take care of all of that for me. Yeah, and I think that I don't think I was wrong, but where I did go wrong uh, is that I was passionate about that company. It yeah. like became a part of my identity, right? And and that's why it hurt so much when I was like, oh, in addition to actually like, oh my god, I'm losing my job and like my life's changing. Yeah, what am I gonna do? And that was my mistake. Problem. Yeah, like those are normal things, but I was mm-hmm. also like, why was I so foolish to let a, an identity of a corporation define me yeah. in any way? Like I should be defined by my principles and my values because those are portable. I can bring those anywhere. Absolutely. You know? Do you feel like your perspective has changed now? Oh yeah. I mean, now it's like, it's, it's, you know, I, I don't know. And I'm still scarred, but like now work is transactional. I'm there to get paid. Yeah. I will give up your time and your, your work effort for money. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if I could fall in love with the company again. They would have to really do a lot to earn my trust. Yeah. Um, but right now, it's just different. It's like, you know what? Like, we're, I'm here for one reason. I'm trading my time for money. Exactly. And and I'm getting them a service. And, so that you can build a life that you and your wife want, right? Yeah. yeah. And, it just, and it just doesn't matter where I work or where I do that. So I'm going to focus on b- making my identity based on my values and principles. And that's it. So yes, it has changed. Look at it. I think. 
So I'm sorry yeah. that all that happened to you, but I hope you're, you're doing better now and you feel like you're kind of getting back on your feet. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I did get a job. So I'm good. I'm good there. Um, didn't awesome. actually, didn't actually take me that long, but it was still yeah. really stressful. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Um, yeah, job related for myself, uh, a little over a month ago, I just got my green card, which means I'm now legally entitled to work in the United States, or I'm not no longer barred from working here. So this means that I've been applying to jobs, writing cover letters, you know, hitting the streets, trying to see what's out there and, and you know, meeting people and, and emailing other people who work in photography and journalism around here and, and trying to, you know, make some inroads. And that's been exciting to see what's available and, you know, what I can do and how to refine my resume and all that. But I'm also learning it's really hard to write about yourself in the form of a cover letter and a summary on your resume and all that because just it feels weird and douchey and shitty when you have to try to talk yourself up and kind of like, hey, look at me. These are the things that I can do. This is what I'm good at. Well, I'm sure you know the feeling. I I mean, I do, but I, I know how to. I know how to trick myself into not feeling that way. Oh, okay. It's, it's all about like, for me, it's all about how you're framing it. What's your intention? And like, when I write a cover, how to think that way. So the way I think about cover letters is that I'm not asking them to hire me. I'm not telling them that I'm, I should be their choice. Mm. All I'm saying is that I have certain skills that match this job description. And I believe in based on this job description that I can do this job. And so if you agree, let's talk. And if not, no problem. Let's not waste each other's time. Like mm -hmm. it's, it just changes it to where, to where, you know, you're, you're not, you're not asking for something that you're not qualified for. You're not asking for anything unreasonable. Like they need someone for the role. You yeah. believe you can do the role, you know? And, and if they don't agree, then okay. Then there's no, there's no reason to waste your time. Absolutely. It's a huge waste of time to go into interviews where, you know, they're, you're like their fifth or sixth potential candidate. And they, yeah. they figure that stuff out pretty quickly yeah. and they're extremely biased about how they do it too. Like if you've ever, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people. If you've ever listened to interviews, the way they, the, like the way the, the group, the hiring group kind of makes decisions and stack ranks people, yeah. it's all extremely biased, you know, like yeah. this person's just, this person is a young mom, like stuff that's like illegal basically. Like, so how are they going to handle this workload? Right. Um, I really liked how this person did this thing. And like, it, it, you know, like you have this cognitive biases that, that play out. So, so it is in no way like totally objective and neutral and detached. No. I mean, and that's why you have to play into it no matter what you try to do to. Absolutely. There's so many heuristics as they're called. And you have to, it's important to remember that because it's not you they're rejecting or that doesn't necessarily mean they made they made a right decision. They don't know what the fuck yeah. they're doing. Yeah. Hiring, hiring managers have no fucking idea. They like, they think like if you were trying to make an objective decision about something, you would make a rubric mm. and then you would score someone on the rubric. The yeah. rubric keeps it from being too biased because if you know, you could see like, well, oh, I really like this one person, but according to the rubric, this other person's better than them. So then you're going to make a decision based on that, yeah, you know, and and not based on your whatever your fuzzy, warm and fuzzy feelings. Yeah, but so the anyway. when they're in the room, that's why Just I always remember. want to get to the interview because I feel like I can do a good job in the interview and and talk to people and and kind of explain why I'm the right person for the job. But just writing about myself in like a cover letter—that's what I—that's the hump that I struggle to get over. It just, it, yeah, I, I get it. it. Just, just remember, like, 
they need someone to do the job. Yeah. And if you believe you can do it, you have every right to tell them that. Mm. And if they don't believe that you can, then they're not, then they'll, they'll tell you no. And then you move on. Yeah. It's, it's True. just, I don't know. It's just, I guess the way of thinking about it is like, uh, don't get too attached for sure. Because you're definitely going to, what did you call it? A numbers game, just applying for jobs. You just got to cast a wide net and see if you catch anything really. Yep. That's it. That, yeah. And that's how I do it. It's, yeah. it's not, I don't have the time to go and cherry pick the perfect fucking job no. and go through all this stuff because honestly, more than half the time, you're probably going to get reject auto rejected by their applicant tracking system anyway. Yeah. Um, sure. And you know, cause like these applicant tracking systems will like take resumes, analyze them, score them based on this and tell you which candidate you should reach out to first. That's literally what's happening. Yeah. That's not a joke. Go use any of these softwares. A lot of them are free. You know, the most common ones are things like, uh, in tech, like it's Lever, Greenhouse. Um, oh, shit. I don't know. There's probably a bunch more, um, you know, Workday, ADP. Mm-hmm. Like, if you like, these things are like, that's how they work. That's how they try to make the, you have to like think about how it looks like from, from the um, talent acquisition team or the HR team's perspective yeah. and the hiring manager's perspective. And so, just how anyway. many applications they're getting because they got to sift through it somehow. It's totally a numbers game. And you can't take it personally. That's why if you can get a referral, yeah, try to do that because a lot of times they will a human will always look at a referral. Yeah. You know, they may say no, but they'll at least look at it. Yeah. There's a very good chance you'll get an, a, a phone screen if you've been referred. Mm. So um that's a good know, reach, if anyone needs help looking for jobs, let me know. I've been through it many times. I, yeah. I do this all the time. You have a lot of valuable advice, but I feel like what you're talking about right now is is really relevant to one of the things you wanted to bring up this week. Yeah, I mean, well, nobody's <laughs> nobody hasn't seen the news about uh, Microsoft and Google this week announcing and Amazon. Layoffs. I think Amazon too, and, they, and that feels like old news. But yeah, they were pretty recently as well, and so like it's just been like since the even since the turn of the year, there's been thousands, mm. tens of thousands of more tech jobs. Um, um, vanquished and it's it's one of those things where none of these companies are losing money they're very profitable yeah they do have some slowdowns in certain lines of business mm-hmm. and a lot of the cuts may be coming from those things like i know google cut a few hundred jobs from this this light bio i don't know what you call it like life sciences division called verily yeah um and you know yeah, that's that, tracking thing yeah, they. I don't actually know what they make, but I know it's like for for like big bets on life sciences, biotech stuff. I don't yeah. know. Um, you know, those are the kinds of things that companies are definitely going to cut because they're like, whoa, we can't focus on you know business units that are like future bets that are hemorrhaging money today. Yeah, you know, and Google has like a big bets division that's losing like five billion dollars a year. In normal times, that's no big deal, but like. Today, so they're going to say, mm, yeah. Yeah. Microsoft, same thing. I mean, Microsoft is 220,000 workers, right? So Jesus. They're laying off is 5%. Yeah. Um, you know, Amazon is like twice that. Um, look, it's, I think that it's, it's often a case of like, why not pile on when you can? Mm. Because this isn't, the companies aren't, it's not like they're, they're, they're facing an existential threat to their business. They're not. Their businesses yeah. are very healthy. I was the say, only I don't thing think they're Google, Amazon, and Microsoft are going anywhere. No, no, and, and and so what this really comes down to is remember what I said earlier. 
in, in the um, when we were talking about this is what motivates management and the board of the company. Mm-hmm. What motivates them? It's stock price. Yeah, that's it. They're they're compensated primarily through stock um, stock based compensation. So when they make these cuts, it's going to make the numbers look better on their next earnings call, and the stock will tick up one or two percent, and they'll get millions of dollars richer because of that. That's yeah. it. That's how it works. That's all it is. You have to think how they're thinking to understand why they're doing it. Yeah. You know, and and I think that this this also reminds me of something that happened during COVID, where a lot of companies, like when COVID, the, the start of COVID, at least in the US, right? I know like COVID in the rest of the world started like maybe like the end of 2019. But for the, the US, yeah. Yeah. In the US, it didn't start until March of March 2020. Of yeah. So we didn't give a Norway. shit. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Norway closed, officially closed down, you know, to use that term on March 12th of 2020. Holy shit. Yeah. I thought Norway was ahead of the game. Okay. No, I think more like Spain and Italy, if we're talking about European countries, they they were hit earlier. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, so when that all happened, the first thing that happened was things, you know, retail stores closed down, banks closed down travel shut down nobody was flying anywhere yeah so all of those workers like customer service workers especially were just cut right and a lot of companies you know we were supposed to be like understanding of that like oh they had to cut workers because you couldn't have too many people sitting in a call center together because of covid you know Mm. and like we haven't fully transitioned to remote work so sorry if it takes you two hours to get on the phone with with jp morgan you know, even though it's a $500 billion company, like that's the kind of shit we're dealing with. Yeah. And what happened was that a lot of companies just piled onto that. They're like, well, we don't need to, but like, let's just do it anyway and reduce our workforce. Essentially. Yeah. They're going to be, we're going to, our brand will be forgiven. We won't take too big of a hit, you know, like everyone else is doing it Mm. and that's what they do. Right. And it's the same thing. And like what you saw, what we started seeing is that a lot of those companies never hired people back or couldn't hire people back, especially airlines. I mean, you could still, sit on the phone for two hours plus to get on a, um, a call with an airline representative. I mean, that's oh fucking insane. Oh, my God. Insane. I mean, air travel has just devolved during the pandemic. It's gotten so fucking bad. And I'm sure you remember the recent, uh, it's maybe two weeks ago now, with the or two and a half, uh, the, the, the meltdown thing. with Southwest. Oh, my God. Yeah. That mother of motherfuckers. It was absolutely terrible. Did you read about that and, like, why it happened? Like, it was their, it was their own ineptitude. Uh, yeah, wasn't it their own software where the people on the ground can talk to the pilots of the planes had uh, that piece of software had broken down or something? It was something like that. I understood it to be that it, for them to schedule crew, like the, pl- the crew that's on a flight, yes. Yes, that you're right. they, they had to like, th- they had these old ass systems for scheduling people. And so yeah. a lot of times the crew would have to call in. And so oh it could God. take them like six hours, sometimes 14 hours waiting on a call to say, hey, I'm here at Cleveland Airport. I don't know what the name of it is, but Cleveland Airport. Yeah. And I can get on a flight now. Can you? But by the time they got on a call, they they either there were no flights or um, they were like timed out so that you know oh the, the, F, the FAA has like um, rules about how long somebody can be working yeah, when they're on the flight crew. Sure. So they were like time out where they couldn't work anymore, right? Oh, so it geez. was like thousands and thousands of like flight crew trying to 
schedule themselves through this old antiquated process uh, by having to call in because the system was overloaded. So that's Do what they happened. log their hours with like a card they put in the machine and it stamps the timestamp on there too. I mean, it's just embarrassing. It is embarrassing. And, that and you know, and that's why I started seeing all these LinkedIn posts about from Southwest employees saying, guys, I know that we fucked up, but like, we really, really care about our customers so much. And like, this is uh-huh. not characteristic of us and please forgive us and just be a little bit kind. Like, and I'm like, okay, first of all, this is like the second time in like two years has happened. Yeah. Okay. Second and secondly, if you cared about your fucking customers, you would care about getting crew on the flight, which could impact your customers, right? Yeah, and you yeah. would have upgraded your systems. You would have spent the necessary money to have a working system so that you can schedule your crew. Exactly. How short-sighted of you to think that, you know, first of all, first of all, even before the meltdown, the crew has been uh fighting over this for years now. Oh, They've yeah. been bitching. They're saying this has been a horrible system for years. So, of course. you're even if even if it didn't have a meltdown, you're telling me that you had a miserable process for your crew, the people that interface with the customers. Yeah. And you thought that was a good customer service strategy? You thought that would create Just a good for them experience? To, get to work. Yeah. Your stock ticker is love. L-O-V-E. That's their stock ticker. Like you really that's brand. their like yeah. uh, the acronym yeah, or whatever. The, exactly. No, no, this it's the actual ticker symbol of if you look, if you look at this stock. For the ticker symbol is love is L O V. Yes. Oh, so or for Google, L- it's G O O G, right? Wait, is it L O? I think it's L U V. Sorry, hold on. L U V. Okay. Oh, I'm looking it up. Sure. Yeah, it's L U V. Sorry, L U V. My bad. Still. Um, four four letter um ticker symbols are for the Nasdaq and anyway, it doesn't matter. But L U V, love. Okay, because their sim- their logo is like a heart or whatever. Yeah. Like that's the brand that you're trying to build. You're trying to make us believe that you love us so much. We're going to feel the love. Like how do you expect us to feel love when you don't even take care of your own fucking people, right? So yeah. even if they didn't melt down, you already fucking failed. Like oh, yeah. that's my opinion. So no, I don't forgive anyone for shit. No. I absolutely don't. Nope. I don't forgive I, I don't did forgive see, that blue, none of them. Did you see videos from airports around the country where all the luggage just piled up? No, that would have stressed me the fuck out. I, oh, I, my <laughs> God. Uh, and so I, the week after that happened, I had to fly down to New Orleans for a photo gig. And uh, when when that happened, I just said to myself, I am because I was flying with Southwest. It was a direct flight and, it, you know, it's affordable. I can, you know, hack it on, on a full Southwest flight for, you know, 90 minutes down there. But I just said, fuck that. I'm not checking luggage because I saw a video at the St. Louis Lambert Airport here where all the luggage that had piled up at the Southwest terminal, I mean, it was just, you you couldn't walk through the area where the luggage carousel is. Just thousands of bags stranded for like days or weeks because they couldn't get them to people. So I've decided now, if I ever have to check luggage again, I'm getting uh, an Apple AirTag and hiding it in my luggage so I can figure out where my bag is if it gets lost. Do the AirTags work outside of like a Bluetooth range? Yes. So I had this explained to me by a guy who works in tech and was like a computer guy who was here for um, dinner recently, right before New Year's, a friend of ours. And he has uh, Apple AirTags in all of his uh, pieces of luggage. And he explained to me the way it works. It's a passive RFID chip, but it's programmed to ping off of any Apple device that is within a certain range. So if my bag gets lost in like Los Angeles, for example, and somebody walks by with an iPhone in their pocket within a certain range, the Apple AirTag little tracker thing will ping off of that. And so I can go online and see where it is. So long as people with an iPad or an iPhone are walking by my, my luggage. Yeah. So that would stress me the fuck out. Like, 
Oh, my right. luggage is sitting there, like it's just asking to be stolen. Like, what? Well, who's going to stop them? Who's going to stop them? Oh, that's my luggage. I swear. Uh, okay, whatever. And when the chaos you know I mean? is that bad, it just kind of <laughs> opens up opportunities for um, unscrupulous people to take advantage and just steal. Of luggage course. I mean, where does the luggage sit? Think about it. When you go to an airport, where does the luggage there. go? But where, which part of the airport? In a publicly available terminal where there's no security screening, anybody without a ticket can just walk right into the luggage. You can drive up, grab, grab five bags. Of- exactly. Yeah. And a, a, on a particularly chaotic day, you could just get out of there and and probably not, you know, raise any eyebrows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, if if exactly, if it's that chaotic, like, nobody's going to go through the security footage and find you. No, if somebody not. stole, like, a bunch of bags... And it wasn't chaotic. You could probably find who did it mm-hmm. with security footage. But like, I mean, with this that many, uh, there's no way. Yeah. So actually, if funny story, something like that happened recently with a, a person who worked in the Biden administration. He got caught twice uh, stealing luggage at two different airports, and then claimed that it, he thought it was his. But when police investigated it, they could see that he just walked into the terminal, picked up somebody else's bag after checking the name tag. And then when he got to his hotel room, just dumped that person's uh, like belongings out and used the the like an expensive suitcase. So he's just like stealing from people. And then uh, once the second incident happened, the Biden administration just fired him. It's like, hey, man, you're out. Wow. His name was uh, Sam Brinton, I believe. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Um, well, there was yeah, one energy other department official caught on camera stealing luggage at Vegas airport. Like what? Like, you know what? The, okay. I don't want to say it's a hundred percent stupid because a hundred percent stupid is when you have literally zero upside for doing something that could get you in deep shit. Right. You know, like there's no point in standing on the edge of a bridge, the San Francisco bridge, the Golden Gate bridge, right? Yeah. The point. What what are you going to gain from that? Nothing. But what mm. could you lose? Everything, right? Yeah. That's stupid. That's the definition. That's like the highest form of stupidity. But this is still up there. Oh, it's pretty what close. Are you, what are you getting? A, a couple hundred, a few hundred, maybe a few thousand dollars of shit, maybe, and that's yep. worth it to you? Like, yeah, bro. For anybody but, curious about that story, just Google Sam Brenton and it'll come up. Um, there was something else I wanted to talk about just quickly on oh, the... Please. Yeah, on the I guess corporate we're just, uh, kind of free flowing here today. No, that's okay. I feel I like, like it's it. all been pent up inside of us, and I've had so much I wanted to talk about. I'm glad we're back. Yeah, like if this was a if this was like a fart that we were holding in, we would have died by now. Very. <laughs> My wife would have divorced me for that fart. That's how bad it would have been. Um, well, there was one more thing I wanted to talk about on the corporate doom and gloom and demise front, which is just. Quickly, I want to say a few words to uh, in memoriam of Party City. Party City is planning to file for bankruptcy. Okay. Although it doesn't sound like if the bankruptcy is to, you know, they're not necessarily going to permanently go out of business. They're just sort of consolidating a lot of their debt. Okay. Um, what does they that are mean? continuing. It's like you're renegotiating with creditors, right? So you owe people money. You yeah. can't afford to pay them. You're like, hey, look, like we can pay you back but we need like revisions to this like somehow like right. i don't know something but different payment terms something that makes it palatable for them right, right. um and so they you know they they, have, they made a deal um they filed for chapter 11 on on tuesday because um, filing for chapter 11 that can be a way to just kind of restructure your business right that that is that what, you're going to disappear off the face of the earth necessarily that is what chapter 11 is but a lot of companies don't um, emerge from it if you can't renegotiate with creditors and you can't 
you may not be able to, you're just insolvent. That's it. Like you're okay. done. Yeah. You don't have enough money to pay your bills. So you're worth nothing, you know? Okay. Um, so yeah. So like, yes, you can emerge from chapter 11. So it doesn't mean party city is dying, but you know, they are closing like 28 more stores. And I just, I just question the long-term longevity of, of their business because like, it, look, they will say that it's COVID and people weren't doing in-person events and yada, yada. Like, mm-hmm. I think that most of us know that that's not really true. Um, like, I don't know anybody in Florida who has expressed concerns yeah. about large crowds. Anybody <laughs> south of the Mason-Dixon line. Yeah, right. Kept on going like before. Exactly. Um, and so I don't really think that's it. I think there may have there may have been some shift in behavior, but I yeah. think the real question is like, do we go to party stores to buy party things anymore? Like, probably mm-hmm. not. I feel like if your business is going to survive, and it's I'm the not, same I reason, or I would imagine that part of the explanation is why you know so many malls are closing. People do their shopping online. If I need a, you know forty red solo cups and a couple of ping pong balls and you know some other party supplies, I'm going Amazon. online. I'm not going for fucking yeah. drive to pick that exactly, up. Exactly, because it's such a commodity. It's like, you know, the balloons. What the fuck? Okay, like party hats, whatever, whatever. What other, what shit can you get? Can you yeah. get at party city? You can't get on Amazon for like same day delivery, you know? Exactly. So yeah. I think that's a, there may be a casualty of Amazon. And speaking of Amazon, remember a while ago, Amazon had that, um, I don't know if they actually went through with it, but they made, they, they were supposed to be doing, uh, using Amazon delivery services or their like their fulfillment services yeah. to actually ship things from malls. So it's that's funny, right. like, I remember we spoke about that on a previous episode. Yeah. So they're like killing shopping malls and keeping them on life support at the same time, which is really dark. <laughs> yeah. There's something about that like, hey, we're going to take over completely. And if you want to survive, you have to use us to distribute your goods. Yeah. And then it's like when it's time for the shopping mall to completely shut down because none of the vendors are paying rent anymore. And yeah, like they'll probably go to the shopping mall owner and be like, so have you thought about selling it? <laughs> and then they'll open up an Amazon warehouse. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm not, even, fucking... I'm not even exaggerating. That's probably their plan. Like long term, they're going to turn shopping malls into into warehouses. Like, yeah. And for... warehouse fulfillment centers yeah um sure. but i'm sorry i feel like i cut you off were you gonna no, say no, that okay. uh, they're they're putting that plan on ice to do the distribution from all so I, I actually i actually don't know if they are um I, but i was gonna comment on just like party city's business like yeah like we talked about it a little bit but like i feel like people do still buy this stuff you know maybe you want to like maybe you need to turn into like a full-time like um like a, just a supplier you know like a wholesaler like mm. do you need those big expensive real real t- retail stores in those locations those strip malls or whatever like i don't think that model's gonna work and um you yeah. know there, there's really nothing else like party city so like i respect the fact that it existed for so long yeah but i i think it's gonna i think it's like a this is a long slow march to death I believe it. I can't even remember the last time I went into a place like that. Yeah. So, yeah. It's sad because like we, of course we appreciate having something like a party city and you know, with party city dying is just going to give more and more, like more of that money is going to be funneled into Amazon. Really? Amazon. That's how you're going to look at so. it. Yeah, yeah, that's how course. it's going to be. They're going to make up, they're going to eat up all that little market share They're you know, like, Oh yeah. And, and that's not good because it just makes another giant, more giant, and mm-hmm. less less and less choices for consumers and more and more consolidation of power and and the price and everything. So 
Yeah. It's sad, but it's, it's hard to outrun a beast when you're in its belly. You're kind of just stuck with this within this one ecosystem that's dominated by Amazon. I don't know, man. The last thing I'd ever want to get into is retail, if anything, unless you have very unique products. Yeah. Like like Target has unique products. They have their right. own. Yeah, they have their own like clothing lines and like uh, white labeled shit. And like people go into Target to look for all the new little home goods or clothes that they have. Yeah. Like that's why my wife goes in, but like, I know a lot of other people do too. And that's, what's keeping them afloat. Um, But if they just went, if they try to copy Walmart where just everything super low price, they would lose, they would lose to Amazon or Walmart, you know, for sure. So it's like the fact that they were able to come out with all these like unique products um, helped. And if you go to party city, nothing is unique, but then again, like, how much room is there to even make things unique for those types of goods? You know, exactly. it's like, they're pretty generic wares. You have to. Yeah. Admit. Yeah. Yeah. So goodbye party city. Well, eventually. Yeah. We hardly knew ye. <laughs> we do know. We knew them well, but oh, okay. Sorry. Because I, I hardly knew ye. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. yeah. But to any American, that's like a, that's like a staple of American life. Yeah. <laughs> do you have anything uh, else you want to talk about this week? Not, not really. I was going to briefly mention that um, Match Group, which owns Hinge and um, Tinder, yeah, um, are testing out some really expensive like subscription dating, say dating subscription services. Wait, they haven't really Match.com already a paid service. Yes, yes, but it owns Match, Hinge, Tinder, um, oh, and a few Tinder others too. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think like they got a pretty good price for Tinder. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah. So with Tinder in particular, they're they're um they're they're going to test out a five hundred dollar a month service for the most motivated daters. And sorry, can you repeat that number, please? Five hundred dollars U.S. dollars per year, <laughs> per month. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's one hundred percent stupidity. That's the equivalent of like, you know, tightrope walking backwards off the. Golden Gate Bridge. I mean, that's <laughs> fucking stupid. Who's paying that much money? According to them, it's for their most motivated daters. And the I don't most, think it's that really... means the most desperate, the loneliest people <laughs> on Tinder. That's what that means. Well, I'll, okay. So I'll, I'll just give a slight counter perspective here. And I'm Please. not saying you're wrong. Like it is, it is, I don't, it's dumb to do that. But then again, you and I are both married, right? Right. So we sure. have to think okay. of ourselves from the perspective of, a single person, right, yes. who is really having a lot of trouble dating, even though they're already using the apps. Like yes. almost everybody who dates now uses the apps. True. I have friends who, several friends really, who just whatever for whatever reason they can't either can't get any dates, mm. and there's nothing wrong with them. It's not like they're not attractive. It's not like they're not great people. There's nothing wrong with them ostensibly, you know. But they just can't find dates. Either everyone they meet just wants a fuck buddy, or they're yeah. like really weird in some way. Or they'll just ghost them after like two words of, of conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, and so there are people who really, really struggle with it. And so I don't know. I actually haven't figured out what the fuck the issue with that is. The only the best I can come up with is that, and this is theoretical. I don't know if it's true. The best I can come up with for why people experience that is yeah. there are too many people on the app, on these apps, and so there's too many options. And so because there are options, the people way yeah, it has to do with 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 psychology. So, the idea of a variable reward really plays into this. A variable right. reward is what you get when you play a slot machine. You don't know when when you're going to win something, but you know you might. Yeah, it's what you get when you scroll through Instagram. Oh right? yeah, 
you might see something awesome, but you have to keep scrolling, right? Yeah. It it's what you do with rats in the in a fucking lab, right? In a, in a like when you give feed them cocaine, right? Yep. You it makes things more more addictive than when the reward is always there. Yeah. And so I think it's possible that because there are so many people, people will match with someone. They seem like a great match, but you know there's other ones, and yeah. it might, that other one might be better, and you have no no way of knowing. But mm. you have to keep try, keep swiping to find out, right? I think you're onto something <laughs> here, is because you have so much potential or at least imagined potential if you just keep swiping like if i keep swiping maybe i'll find the perfect person for me who's a supermodel who has millions of dollars who lives in my town who thinks every joke i tell is hilarious Mm -hmm. who agrees with me politically six foot four want to travel to the same (laughs) places like sorry what Six foot four. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. like, oh, if I just keep swiping, maybe I'll find someone better. And therefore I can't bring yeah. myself to stop. No, see, I don't want to come across like I, I shit on people who who pay for dating services. That's fine. I was just reacting to the absurd price. Right. $500 so, a month. That was my previous rent in Norway. Right. I lived four years in Hartmore. I paid $500 a month. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I got I to move to Norway. Damn. I'll be <laughs> fucking king over there. I think but, you'd kill yourself yeah. in that apartment. It was pretty small, but right, well, I I could, if, even if I doubled that, I'd still be like, not maybe not a king, maybe like a duke, but anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you'd be well, a feudal so, Viking lord over there. <laughs> So I don't know what they haven't really announced and what they're going to put into these subscriptions. They also announced a higher tier one for Hinge, about sixty dollars a month. But okay. the only thing they really can offer is some type of additional exposure. Like right. you are going to be seen above other people. You are first yeah. in line. You have priority, or you know something like that, right? So yeah. there's a very good chance you'll match with someone. And then look, if it works. It's really just solving a problem that they created. But if it works, it could be worth the money to the right person. You know, like not like if you're like one of my, some of my friends who've been struggling with this for like two years. Yeah, you know what and I mean. Have you know, you know an extra five hundred dollars they don't mind spending? Then sure, they're like, hey, I'll pay for one month, see how it goes, and then yeah, maybe I won't keep doing it. Right? But, how many dates have I spent money on? Like, <laughs> exactly. maybe it's worth it. So that's where I could see it working for some people. But is it a lot? Fuck yeah! Especially because, like I said. They're they're giving you a solution to a problem they fucking created. Yeah, you know. Hmm. So yeah, that is interesting. Uh, I'm I'm just really glad that being married means I don't have to worry about any of this shit anymore. <laughs> I remember the you know the days you know a, a decade ago or, or thereabouts when I was using Tinder and just how demoralizing and, and demotivating it was. See, I didn't find it. I don't know. I I never found it that way. I when I was I, my last time dating was about five years ago or a little bit more than that and i i don't know and i don't get it i found it so easy (laughs) i just just, like i i I have like a whole method that i've tried to prescribe my friends and they and they swear that they're doing most of those things but i'm like you can't be because how could it work for me like i'm an oaf i'm a lummox that's my name (laughs) you're the you know i'm the lummox like if it works for me like you're doing something wrong and and so basically in short my method is like cast a very wide net don't don't weed people out based on really really stupid things like a lot of people will bullshit details uh, yeah like a lot of people will be like well you don't have a photo smiling so that's it or yeah oh ooh, ew like you have a photo with like a big fish on a fishing boat like who's that girl next to you oh too many girls i'm 
I'm, yeah. you know, swiping, wait, left, right? Whatever. Left, left I'm, is I'm, bad, <laughs> right is good. <laughs> swiping left, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so like shit like that. I'm like, don't do that because people aren't good at making dating profiles. So they don't know exactly what the world wants to see. Like you can't make a profile that appeals to everyone. Yeah. You know, it's like you and the cover letters, right? Like how do I promote myself? In yeah. a way that's that's appealing. That makes me I mean, look that's like even I'm all more these awkward writing by yourself on some dating site or dating. It's very awkward. Yeah. And you're yeah. never gonna get it right, you know, because it's never gonna it's what works for someone doesn't work for someone else. Yeah. So you're like there are people who want to see you in the gym church topless, but I know women who will be like, No, 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 if he's in the gym all the time, then that means that he wants a woman who's like extremely fit. And I don't think I'm that woman. I don't want to live up to that pressure. Yeah. So now you just you don't even know if that's what that guy really cares about, but you just made that assumption, you just killed a potential match. Why? Yeah. I say over-index on conversations that happen when you match because you'll know how generous someone is with their time yeah, and with by, by the way that they um, engage with you. Like, right. you know, if, if you're not, if they don't make it any effort and they literally just say, hey, hey. LOL, nothing, you, then that's it. Then that's... That, it doesn't matter what they said on their dating profile and if it sounds like you have the same values, they're, clear, they're showing you their values there. Yeah, you know, they like they, don't they're care. Either, right. They're expecting you to say something magical that's gonna like entertain them, like you know, like, like you're yeah. a human version of TikTok or something. Yeah. Very so, good point. So anyway, that's my method. Let me know if it works. All right. Well, I'm not gonna worry about it anytime soon. So <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I had a couple of things I want to talk about. First, one thing that's been in the news a lot lately, and then I want to just tell a story uh, from my personal life, or you know, sort of that I just I haven't been able to get off my mind. But um, first, um, Mike, you're originally from New York. Uh, you've spent some time out on Long Island, Ronkonkoma and those places. I know, I remember because we went there together. Uh, yep. Are you familiar with George Santos, the guy who just got elected to Congress? I've, uh, I'm if somewhat. Yeah, I know that somewhat. he's been accused of lying of everything on his resume. Oh, he's and been refuses lying about to resign. so much. And I just kind of wanted to, to do a run through all the things that he's been lying about. Um, so yeah, he, he recently got elected to, to, uh, Congress. He's a Republican from Long Island, uh, New York. And it's just kind of hard to understand the balls on this man. The fact that he can just keep lying and lying and lying about everything. And he's being found out in all these lies. And it started when a couple of reporters in New York wanted to write just a standard profile on him. I go, Hey, we're getting a new Congressman, a new representative. Let's write about who he is and what his background is. And then when that started happening, everything just kind of unraveled for, for this guy. And so most people have probably heard that he has lied about where he went to school, uh, which college that he attended. Uh, he used to claim that he was Jewish, which some people figured out that he isn't. And his response when uh, it, somebody said that, hey, we're challenging you on this. We don't think you're Jewish. He said, well, I'm not Jewish. I'm Jewish. So like he has some <laughs> Jewish ancestry. Like that is just the dumbest excuse possible. He's lied about I mean, working my, on Wall Street and uh, he's very shady about where all his campaign finance money came from. Um, actually, the New York Mag, New York Magazine, they wrote a story about kind of everything that he's lied about. <clears throat> so his parents emigrated from Brazil. Um, uh, and they say that he attended the Horace Mann School in the Bronx during his first years of high school. Uh, but then he had to leave uh, this prestigious private academy in the senior year because his parents fell on hard times. Uh, 
But a spokesperson for the school told CNN in December that there was no evidence that he had ever attended that school. Then later, he got caught lying about where he'd gone to college. He's lied about where he worked on Wall Street or that he did at all. Uh, He claimed that his mom died in 9-11, but it recently came out that his mom died years after 9-11 from cancer and that she wasn't even in the country when the 9-11 attacks happened. That's a fucked up lie. That's because there's... There's no point to that lie. Oh, it's only to get sympathy, only to claim some sort of like sympathy credit. But like you can get sympathy just by saying your mom died of cancer and and not. Oh, yeah. And and like, oh, God. And it just makes you look like such a sleazy asshole. Like the other things I I can understand, like, okay, you lied to to make yourself look credible. Okay. Like, I don't, you shouldn't do that. But I understand. I don't, I don't understand that one. (laughs) What the fuck? He also claimed that his grandmother was a Holocaust victim. That has been called into dispute. So. I mean, um, Long Island, by the way, has a lot of Jewish people. So, yeah, um, like a lot. Like this is there's a joke I used to say with my friends that like, you know, Moses parted the Atlantic Ocean and all the Jews came to Long Island. Like that's <laughs> that's the joke. So, it yeah. So there's it makes a big sense. Jewish community there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it takes a special kind of piece of shit to lie about. Uh, oh, my mom died in 9-11 attacks in, in World Trade Center. Oh, turns out she wasn't even in the country. There's just no point of that. Yeah. I you mean, also okay. lied about. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. no I was just going to say like, OK, like 9-11, you know, all Americans feel sympathy, but all Americans feel sympathy for cancer, too. Like, oh, absolutely. Just, did you need that? Like no, how many everybody knows somebody. Who has been cancer sick, or knows somebody who lost somebody to cancer? I mean, it's very easy to get sympathy for for having a mom who died of cancer. If, exactly. if you want to be that cynical, um, he also the only, the only the, wait, sorry, sorry. There's one thing on that. The only thing I can think of, I'm totally conjecturing, is that a lot of police officers and firefighters also died on 9/11. Yeah, and a lot of them were in Long Island. Actually, like they were so mm. that New York City needed to take some of those people from Long Island just to have enough people to do the search and rescue and all the other stuff. Oh yeah, and we also know that the firefighters and police officers in the New York City area are all almost all Republican, like 100. percent Yeah, so that maybe explains it. Maybe he lies about that to get their vote. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's yeah. a Republican in, in a very blue area. Yeah. You know, like that's ex- literally like public workers, police officers, and firefighters are overwhelmingly Republican in the yeah. New York area. Yeah. That's why Staten Island is is uh, I'm pretty sure Staten Island is Republican predominantly. Oh, yeah. Because it's for sure. because it's because it's also predominantly police officers and firefighters and you know Who school teachers. There. Yeah. That's right. Um so do you remember the the uh, nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida, called the the Pulse nightclub massacre? Yep. Where yep. something like a lot of like people 49 died. Forty nine people were killed or something. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's come out that he lied about um, several of his employees dying there. He just made that up. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, Weird. <laughs> and uh, also, a video came out like a week or a week and a half ago. Of him at an event in New York City in 2019, and he's on stage and he introduces himself by different names. So apparently he used to go by the name Anthony DeValder or DeValder. I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but um, so he, he used to go by a different name. And apparently he also used to run a charity that raised money for people who needed help with their pets veterinary bills. And it was called the uh, 
Oh yeah, Friends of Pets United. He he ran a foundation called Friends of Pets United when he was known as Anthony DeVolder. And okay, local- okay, hold on, hold on. Chat GPT could make a better name than that. Go on to Chat GPT and say, please give me 10 names for a charity that helps pet owners who can't afford their pet bills. And I guarantee you would come up with better shit than that. Oh, for sure. Sorry, please yep. continue. <laughs> so his campaign biography claimed that he ran this foundation uh, and that he helped save 2,500 dogs and cats between 2013 and 2018. Uh, but there were no social media accounts for this organization, no IRS records, and no evidence of this charity being registered in New York or New Jersey where he claims to have operated. <laughs> he just like took money? Well, so it gets worse. So the New York Times found that Friends of Pets United held one fundraiser with a rescue group in New Jersey in 2017 for which he charged a $50 entry. Um, but here's where it kind of gets way worse. Um George Santos has been now alleged to have stolen money from a disabled and homeless military veteran who came to him to ask for help to fund a life-saving surgery for his therapy dog. And so George Santos, a.k.a. Anthony DeVolder, set up a GoFundMe account, raised $3,000 for this man's pet's operation, and then just ran off with the money. I mean... Wow. Can you For imagine the absolute black hole That's of thing. I narcissism and lack of morals and ethics and any sort of guiding principles to raise money in the name of a, a homeless veteran? Some of the people who, you know, American Americans, especially Republicans, claim to care about the most people who have served in the military. And everybody loves dogs. How can you do this? How can you say that you're raising money for somebody's dog who needs life-saving surgery and then just fucking off with $3,000? That's, that's, that. that's the thing. Some of this doesn't even make sense. Like, I can, I, I don't understand the motivation. Like, I can understand someone being greedy if it was $300,000. You know, maybe yeah. you're like, oh, damn, I didn't expect to raise that much. I'm going to take some. Not that that's right, but I understand it. Three thousand? What the fuck are you gaining? Like you're clearly, I mean, I don't, I don't know his background, but he, he's clearly wealthy in some respect. You know, like where three thousand dollars isn't going to fucking change his life in any way. Like what the yeah. fuck? And then the other thing that stands out is some of those lies are just dumb. Like you know, like when somebody lies about something that you just you you would never suspect it because you could never think of a reason of why they'd lie about that. It'd yeah. be like if you and I first met and you were like, "Yeah, I'm from South Africa," I'd be like. Okay. Like, I have no reason yeah. to question that. And you have no reason, I think, to lie about that. So yeah. I accept that you're from South Africa, it's right? Like, What's the yeah. point? Yeah. I have <laughs> nothing to gain about, about you know, I have nothing to gain about uh, or from lying about that. But um, yes, yeah, so every week I read this uh, Friday uh, news summary of everything that's happened this week. It's written by a journalist, a lady named Nellie Bowles, who I like a lot. And she wrote about him um, in the newsletter that came out today. And here's what she says. Um, because despite everything that's been going on with him, you know, he's now in a uh, Republican controlled House of Representatives. And so a lot of people have been asking this guy, especially people in New York, have been calling for him to resign or lose his position in, in Congress because, you know, everything that's coming out about him is just like crazy. Uh, but so here, Nellie Bowles, she writes that uh, George Santos, the freshman Republican congressman from New York, is a serial liar. Yes, fine. All politicians are. But Santos seems truly pathological. Here's a great example. He claims his mom was inside the Twin Towers on 9-11. 
He also claimed that she died that day, but apparently she died of cancer years later. And anyway, now it seems that she didn't even live in America at that point. That's what I just mentioned. But so here, um, um, yeah, he, he stole the money or allegedly stole that money from Richard Osthoff, who was the homeless military veteran. So despite everything that coming out, uh, House Republicans are responding to the various Santos frauds, lies, and scams by censuring him and pressing him to resign. I assume, right? Dear God, no, they promoted him. He just scored seats on the small business and the science, space, and technology committees in the House of Representatives. Well, that just proves it. The old adage, fake it till you make it, and then even then, just keep faking it yeah. when you're found out. Oh, my God. So I have a text chain with my friend Gabe, uh, who's a NPR journalist in Washington, D.C. And every morning we just text each other the latest updates about George Santos. And I got to just mention one more thing before I move on, because this is just too, too perfect. Two tweets that are back to back from George Santos's uh, Twitter profile, his official Santos for Congress Twitter account. The first one says, the reports that I would let a dog die is shocking and insane. My work in animal advocacy was the labor of love and hard work. Over the past 24 hours, I have received pictures of dogs I helped rescue throughout the years, along with supportive messages. These distractions won't stop me. And then right before that, he also tweeted, the most recent obsession from the media claiming that I am a drag queen or performed as a drag queen is categorically false. The media continues to make outrageous claims about my life while I am working to deliver results. I will not be distracted nor phased by this. And then right after <laughs> it comes out of him in full drag, there's a photo of him from some sort of like parade in New York or something where he's in a red dress, makeup, wig and everything. Now, I have nothing against drag queens, but I feel like he had to lie about this because he was running as a Republican, maybe. Because mm -hmm. I feel like it's very obvious American Republicans don't have a lot of uh, love for, you know, drag queen and all the controversy of her. Yeah. Anything that hour lately. Yep. Yep. So if you want the photo of him is out there. Um, and yeah, here's back to the other column uh, from uh, Nellie Bowles. It looks like he used to be a drag queen performing under the name Kitara Ravash. So there's that. But he denies it, even though there are photos of him. So that's fun. And I can't wait to see what's coming out next. George Santos. Well, I mean, look, that's 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 the thing, man. Just like keep denying it. Don't don't apologize. Like it, it I, I hate that, but it fucking works. And it's so ridiculous. It like for Trump. My God. Yeah. And like time. Trump, come on. Trump's been found. OK, Trump. Maybe he didn't lie in the same like ridiculous level. Like not that he didn't lie the same. Uh, you know, I'm sure he lied more than anyone in human history. But yeah. he didn't lie about the same nature of things. Like, you know, there was like maybe a, a tiny sliver of truth built into every one of his gigantic lies. You know what I mean? Like, or maybe was a better he, reason if, in, in terms of like selfish uh, motivation for him to lie. But. Yeah. Yeah. That too. Like, you know, Trump, you know, lied about his wealth, right? He's mm -hmm. one of the richest people, you know, he said he's worth $10 billion. No, he's not right. Yeah. Or was never even close. Said he was self-made and eh, not really. No, he not wasn't, really. you know, but like, but there's some sliver of truth. It's not like Trump never earned a dollar in his life. You know, he had plenty of money making opportunity. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it, even the, even the total nonsense political shit he would do, like all the stuff against immigrants or whatever, like, you know, there's like a tiny sliver of truth in that giant, like mound of shit, elephant yeah. shit, lie of his, but 
you know, like, you know what I mean? With this stuff with Santos, like, there's none of that. Like, there's actually no sliver of truth at all. No, it, <laughs> just, that, like, it just seems like my, I mean, this, uh, you're not supposed to try to diagnose people from uh, from afar, but, you know, I have no medical license to lose. So I'll, I'll try to say, or I, I will say, he just seems pathological. Like, he can't help himself. Like, he has compulsion yeah. to lie just for attention or whatever. I, I'm not sure, but yeah. it's exciting. To no, see it's not, it's, it's psycho. It's like Machiavellianism, the and justify oh, yeah. the means, and therefore even my even I'm gonna, even going to use my mom's death as a way to to prop up my yeah. my background and credibility, you know. So yeah, crazy. Yeah. Um, I have one one story that I wanted to tell before we wrap this up, and I'll I'll try to keep it concise, but there's a lot of moving parts here, and it r- involves a person that you probably very likely knew or met at one point. Um, so if listeners don't know, Mike and I used to go to the same college, went to Pace University in New York and, but we were setters and go setters. We were at different campuses and I was, uh, on the campus outside of Manhattan in a town called Pleasantville. And, uh, Mike wasn't a part of the fraternity that I was a part of, but you know, he, he came up and hung out with me and my friends there and, 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 you know, met a lot of the, the people that I would see day to day. And do you remember a man in my fraternity named Kenneth Saul? I'm pretty sure I do, although I could have fabricated that memory. Yeah. But you met, you know, all the guys that I was hanging out with, people in my fraternity. You came to the fraternity house and, you know, we. Yeah, I'm sure I met him. I'm sure I met him. It's just that, like, yeah, I don't recognize him today when I look at him. But yeah, sure. I did. He was a he was a. Uh, an accounting major at, at Pace and he was from New Jersey. So, you know, local East coast kid. And he, you know, he wasn't a, like a typical guy that you think of when you hear somebody who's a member of a fraternity, he wasn't like a frat bro jock type of dude. And to be perfectly honest, our fraternity wasn't kind of like that. It was more people who were interested in other things, but um, Kenneth joined and I knew him as a guy who, you know, he studied and didn't really do too many social things and, and kept a little bit more to himself, but uh, well, it'll become clear in a moment why I'm calling him this, but to me, he always kind of came across as a bit of a sad sack. Like he, he didn't have a lot of confidence. He wasn't in great shape. He didn't have a lot of luck with the ladies. Um, but you know, a couple of years ago, I was talking to one of my friends from the fraternity, uh, a guy named Justin. And, you know, I was just asking him questions about ooh, other people I haven't spoken to in a while. You know, what people are doing after they graduated from Pace. And I, you know, asked him about this person and that person. And he would tell me. And and I was living in Norway at this point. So I wasn't really hanging out with or, or seeing the people that I went to college with. And then I ask him, hey, so what happened with uh, what's going on with Kenneth? I haven't heard a peep from him since I graduated. And he he says, oh, you don't know? And I said, no, what do you mean? He just says, okay, just Google Kenneth's name. So I do, and I find out that at that time, Kenneth had been arrested on suspicion of murder. Uh, so Kenneth had worked as an accountant at a marketing firm in New Jersey after he graduated college. And apparently he had become obsessed with a younger female coworker, a 26 year old girl named Carolyn Byington. And as I read all the local uh, news stories from, from the New Jersey newspapers that I could find to try to figure out what happened, it became clear that 
this lady, Carolyn Byington, from this marketing firm, had not returned to work one day after going home to eat lunch at her own nearby apartment. And coworkers then called the police uh, and asked them to do a welfare check because she was supposed to be back at work this time. So, you know, police go by her apartment. They knock on the door. No answer. They make their way in, and she's found bludgeoned and stabbed to death in her home. Kenneth doesn't return to work that day either. Then he comes, da- uh, comes back to work a couple of days later, and according to coworkers who were interviewed by the police that at that time, Kenneth's behavior and personality had changed. He was like more skittish and kind of introverted, and and he had apparently also asked one of his coworkers a question, which even not in context would seem very suspicious and and out of place. He had apparently asked if it was possible to get convicted on murder charges, even just on circumstantial evidence. And coworkers had said to the police that they noticed that he had scratches on his knuckles and his hands. So not looking good. And so just that was probably in 2019 that I first heard this story and like find out that he had been arrested through DNA evidence at the apartment. But through all of it, Kenneth just maintained his innocence. I didn't do it. I wasn't there. I was somewhere else getting work done on my car. That's why I couldn't return to work that day because my car was in the shop. I called my boss and let him know I couldn't, I couldn't come back. And so at the, the, the point in time where he was supposedly at a mechanic somewhere away from uh, both the girl's apartment and his, his workplace, police find surveillance camera, surveillance camera footage of Kenneth driving by in the opposite direction of where the mechanic supposedly was going towards the apartment of the lady. Who, who was found dead. And so, you know, it was during COVID. So, you know, all court cases and everything to do with the penal system, everything was slowed down because, you know, you had to, to kind of have your case heard in, in, in front of uh, a judge via video calls because, you know, it was COVID protocols. But Kenneth maintained his innocence. He fired his defense lawyer three different times as like kind of a stalling tactic, I assume. Um, and his father read a statement to the court that he believed his son is a good guy and he was innocent and that he would never do this sort of thing. And he just kept going and going and going, maintaining, I never, never did it. I had nothing to do with this lady's death. Dude, the, the details of this story are I mean, fucking insane. Like, yeah. I'm just looking at it now. Like, he, so this did wasn't his, his girl. Name? Yeah. So, like, yeah. this wasn't his girlfriend or anything. This was just a no. coworker. Just and he 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 just he when she was at work he t- he made a copy of her house key yes, yes a couple I'm months to be- this. okay sorry what the no fuck, no no man? I'm okay. sorry no no, I, no, no I was gonna say I, I was just about to get to that yeah sorry so go ahead when he you know he's incarcerated awaiting trial because he he kept stalling by firing his defense attorneys and then talking about trying to represent himself and um and then all of a sudden. <laughs> The latest story that I read, it comes out that Kenneth has finally confessed to killing Carolyn Byington because when he was in prison, you know, awaiting to to go to trial, the detective, the lead detective on the case 
had apparently gotten a warrant to to listen in on his phone conversations while he was in jail and had discovered that Kenneth had been plotting to pay a fellow inmate who was due to be released $15,000 to either kill the lead detective or to stage a copycat murder of a woman who fits a similar description so as to throw the suspicions away from Kenneth to try to trick the homicide investigators into thinking that the real killer was still out there. And so when the detective on the case came with this like surveillance of his uh, communications in jail and went to the judge and said, hey, we have this. He's plotting to kill me or to stage a copycat murder. It was kind of over for Kenneth. And so he just had to come clean. And he admitted that while Carolyn was at work, he had been making copies of her keys so he could have access, unfettered access to her apartment. Uh, and he had installed uh, recording devices in her apartment. I assume that means cameras, like hidden cameras, so he could like spy on her. Um, and I guess he just became obsessed with a woman who I assume wouldn't kind of, uh, you know, reciprocate his his obsession or his love for her but the saddest most gut-wrenching thing of all of this or stomach turning part of all this is that while he became obsessed with her kenneth was married and had a daughter a young baby daughter when he became obsessed with this other lady and this is a guy i knew this is a guy i lived in a house with for years we were friends we hung out we you know we went to parties together we didn't like share all of same interests, but one of my friends from college is now facing 50 years in federal prison for committing homicide of a female coworker that he became obsessed with while he was married and had kids. I can't fucking believe it. Wow. I have photos of me and this guy together. I mean, he's not a good criminal, which I know is not the point. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, none of this was like planned or carefully planned. Like, you know, like, wow. Anyway, but yeah, no, it's exactly it's, the point. He's, he is a terrible criminal, but a worse person. I just, you know, I wonder horrific. how much, like, I wonder if he was, I know this is a kind of a weird question because I don't think there's a good answer to it, but I wonder if he was that person in college or if right. life circumstances made him that way. I mean, not that like, of course he's blamed, but you know, I always look at, people who do things like this is like, yes, they are pieces of shit, yeah. but there are still, there are still reasons why they become that way, whether it's like their home life or there's their, I don't know, who knows? There's all kinds of fucked up things. Right. And yeah. I always, I just wonder like, what point did that happen for him? Like, he's clearly not, doesn't have like, he's not a serial killer. He didn't have a history of violence prior to this doesn't seem right. Not really. You know what I mean? So it's like, what was it about this? And his life and this situation, this woman that made him use her as an outlet and then become obsessed. And then, you yeah. know, then I, then, but then I'm like, maybe I'm, maybe I'm ascribing too much rational um, ability to a person like this. Maybe they're not in, in rational at all. And they're yeah. just like, they're in a, they're in a frame of mind that you and I can't comprehend because yeah. they're just, might they're, be they're, true. I mean, of course we can only speculate, but when I learned everything that has been going on with Kenneth and what he did, uh, you know, w when the detectives finally came with, you know, uh, incontrovertible proof that he was trying to plot to have the lead detective killed. I mean, he had no choice but to confess, right? Uh, and I believe at that point, he didn't really even have a defensive or defense attorney. So I guess he just, he was up shit's creek and there was nothing he could do.
Um, I mean, if you're going to stay pay someone to like murder and stage it, you can't pay 15 grand. That shit's at least 250 grand or maybe now 300 with inflation. Like if you want a real not, pro. Yeah, no, I'm and I'm not even kidding. Like I, I don't want to go off topic, but like yeah. there there was a um sorry. So I don't want to go too far off topic, but like there the guy who created the the first one of the first like or most prominent black market um marketplaces on the internet the silk um, road the silk road yeah. yes um i forgot his, I forgot his first name but his last name was ulrich yeah ulrich yeah yeah like he the, a lot of what came out in discovery in those trials were like his conversations with like hell's angels and basically like him paying or or planning to pay them for murders and assassinations and whatever right so mm. and you know like the prices are up in that range regardless i'm just saying like what you really expect the fucking inmate to like do this per like like how are you even gonna pull that off like how are you gonna there's no escrow for that you know like release the money from escrow once yeah. once the job is done we need photo evidence to confirm like no yeah. like you need you can't be in behind bars doing that i'm sorry and i know those aren't the details that matter like it's no, sad but like there's all these this is what i do when i watch movies too i'll be like I'll be like, wait a second. You can't <laughs> accelerate that fast. Your brain would turn to mush. That's impossible. Yeah. Like, I, exactly. That's, a, that's the kind of guy. <laughs> but that's just the kind of that, that's just how our minds work. We just latch onto the most like unbelievable details of a story like <laughs> yeah. this, despite how you know heartbreaking and horrific the 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 facts of the story is. We just kind of latch onto the ridiculous details. Yeah. But I know, and I always feel for the family. Yeah. Oh, of course. I feel terrible for his child. I get. I hope just she's too young to kind of understand what happened to her dad and and or what he did, and that her her mom just shields her from the reality of what a piece of shit, um, you know, he turned out to be. But you know, learning everything that I I found out about Kenneth, um, it just made me reevaluate and think back over every interaction I ever had with him in college. And I remember several times that where he became kind of creepily obsessed with girls that he liked at college and, and, and women that he, he, you know, didn't have a chance with, but he kind of obsessed mm. over them and walked, you know, followed them around campus and, and thought that if I don't get this girl, my life is over and I'm going to be alone forever. So I have to kind of latch onto this person and try to figure everything out uh, only through the lens of this one person who's, you know, my only hope of over romantic salvation. Um, Oh, I guess God. he had some sort of similar experience um, with this, the person who he ended up killing. But uh, I also remember that he he was a bit of a coward when it came to confrontations with the the guys who were his own physical size, because he was he was a tall guy. He, you know, he was overweight, but he was a big, big man. And so the only time I saw him like really kind of express his pent up rage was when he could take it out on people who were smaller than him. And he mm. wouldn't have to stand up to somebody who was, you know, his own size, somebody like me or, or, or the guys in the fraternity who can actually take his abuse. And so I just kind of, as soon as I learned everything I learned about him, everything that I experienced with this guy kind of got filtered through this lens of, oh, now he's a murderer. Does that make sense of any of his behavior in the past? And, and personally, I think it did. So, so, so actually, it, I don't know if you caught this detail, but... He, I don't think that and this doesn't matter making it better, but I'm just going to say it like mm. it didn't seem like this murder was premeditated. It seemed like he was unexpectedly caught by her when he went yes. into her apartment 
You're and right. somehow rea- like freaked out and then killed her and maybe tried to like hide the fact that he was doing all this creepy shit, like installing security cameras in her home to, to yes, just right. watch Thanks her. for clarifying, because I have so many different versions of this story in my head based on when I read which news stories. But the latest story that came out, like you're saying, when he finally confessed, she went home to eat lunch at her apartment. She went home from work to eat lunch at her own apartment and caught him in there. And I guess he just flipped out. Right. And like, because he, he had been doing a lot of creepy shit, but like, this is yeah. where, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I can't, I can't speak from the mind of someone who's willing to do that. But like, anytime you're in a bad situation, don't make it worse. Yeah. I mean, don't kill, don't like, like, you know, you and I would never do that anyway, but like, no, no matter what it is, like if you get, if you get pulled over by the police and you don't have your, your unlicensed driver, don't run. But well, how is that going to be better? Just Deal say, with I'm the, sorry, the, officer, I forgot my license. No, they're still going to arrest you or they're sure. still going to do whatever. But like, you are not going to make it better by that, that you know, yeah. if you if you've been if you've been drinking, like use the traffic cop excuse. I, I'm using these examples because to say like, like just just to talk about more like relatable crimes. Right. Like if yeah. you were drinking and driving. Right. And you get mm. pulled over a DUI stop and you're pretty sure you're not going to pass. Don't take it. Yep. Just don't take it. They're going to arrest you, but they can't get you for DUI because they don't have evidence uh, if you refuse to, to 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 submit evidence, right? Which is your constitutional right, yeah. right, to not self-incriminate. So just don't. Don't make it worse. You have to deal with whatever you did, but you don't make it more than what it is, you know? Don't I hit he the cops. Lost, he lost his, uh, his temper, flew off the hook, or he, he just felt like, oh, the only way I can get out of this is by leaving no witnesses. Yeah, he was obviously emotionally unstable. So, oh, like, yeah. probably when he was faced with the possibility that his life was going to crumble, which yeah. it was, if, yeah. you know, with Chicago in there, because he would have been... he might have gotten less than, you know, 10 years. Oh, yeah. Years from, oh, like, yeah. You he could have rebuilt. Breaking in, installing cameras, being a creepy fuck. Right. When we right. add murder to that, then it's a whole That's different it. story. That's it. And and yeah. I mean, I, I, I've, I don't know. I'm sorry that happened to them and to oh, her family and yeah. and even his family too and uh it must be i can't imagine what it feels like to be you like knowing this but actually i can imagine because i do have i do have this is not as severe but i do have a friend who recently has been sentenced to four years in prison for um for wire fraud he oh, was really so i met this guy like the car scene because i'm a big car guy and i would have i have a little, i used to have all these really expensive cars and i would go Is to the racetrack in new york or somebody in yes Miami? in new york okay and so you know we were friends like we were legitimately friends and he yeah. his guy was like 20 years old and he always had like the most expensive car i'm talking like a like one time he let he took me on the racetrack with a two million dollar car okay holy like, shit yeah um and uh he basically you know there was a lot of things about him that didn't add up right like where's the money coming from yeah like he he's he he told me about his family they're russian that his uncle used to work for putin his uncle created rt all that checks out right rt is russia today their biggest like state-run news network Yeah. yeah right and all that checks out but it didn't explain a lot of other things for example he told me that his um he told me that his family is multi-billionaires and his like he's this one thing he told me is that his his fan his dad owns 30 percent of activision 
Oh. And I immediately was like, that's bullshit. Like, I, I was like, that makes absolutely no fucking sense. Like, yeah. Activision at the time was a $100 billion company. You So you own $30 billion in Activision? Yeah. Like, what family in the world, who, what person in the world has enough money where $30 billion of their wealth is going to be in one single company? Doesn't make right. sense. Yeah. Like, if we don't know who you are, that's, that doesn't have to be publicly you know, uh, declared, right? You yeah. can't just have somebody who owns that much of a public company and it's not declared. Like, the, why would you lie about that? So I knew he was lying. Yeah, I didn't know. Do you know enough here. about finance and cars and like everything that he was talking about that you can spot when somebody's bullshitting? Like, if you would have told me, I probably would have gone like, "Hmm, that seems interesting," and maybe not thought much more about it. Yeah, but you <laughs> know the world that he's in enough to kind of realize when he's trying to bullshit you and pull one over your eyes. But the other thing is that he had all this. He clearly had these cars. Like nobody was giving him these cars. He had had enough money to acquire these cars. So yeah. some of it checked out, but it didn't all check out. And there was other things too, where, you know, we went to a restaurant one time and he like paid and we all gave him cash. And then the restaurant called us because we knew them because we go, went there a lot. Yeah. Um, and he like he had um, um, done a chargeback. Uh, and refuted, di- disputed, disputed the charge. And oh, you know, really? it's like a small restaurant. And I was like, what the fuck? You're, so you're this multi-billionaire and you're disputing a five, whatever, five, $600 charge? Like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And he said, oh yeah, because my assistant did it. You know, she didn't recognize the charge. She does that all the time. I'm like, and I knew that was bullshit, but he eventually right. did pay. And anyway, I'll cut this short, but like he turns out one thing he was doing was he was, how he was he built up a reputation as a guy who had a lot of these cars or whatever right mm-hmm. he even posted on like ferrari on a popular ferrari website a forum for ferrari owners called ferrari chat that he was buying that he bought two to four ferraris a month from his dealer which again doesn't check out because no. you're not buying 48 cars a year like if you <laughs> you might buy 48 cars a year maybe if if they're very special collectible cars but if you're just buying like a basic ass Ferrari, whatever, one of their basic models, right? Yeah. Um, like that's not doesn't make sense financially. Like you're not gaining anything from that because yeah. you can't flip them because the dealer would blacklist you if you flipped them. So you're just you're just buying 50 cars a year. And like it makes no yeah. sense. It doesn't make any sense. So like nobody keeping, would do that. It's not a question of money. Cars. Yeah, exactly. It's not, and it's not a question of money. Just nobody would do that. It gives you no benefit to do that. You know what did I mean? You, did you see him in a Ferrari? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've driven his Ferrari, one of his Ferraris. Um, yeah. He let me borrow one of his Ferraris. <laughs> anyway, but, um, um, is it, it, it? I've heard at some point that I think it might have been a Ferrari. Is it true that you have to be invited by a dealership to be able to purchase one of their cars? You can't just go uh, cash and buy it, right? It's not. The answer is yes. You can't just go in there and cash and buy a new Ferrari. Generally, yeah, it's not as cut and dry as it gets to be invited. It's more like you have to piss away money until they like you enough to give you the right to buy, to be move up on their list, right? So when a new Ferrari um, allocations are announced, like every year, there's like you know new allocations given to each dealer. Yeah. Um. You know, you're you you can get one, but you might have to wait three years, right? Right. Like maybe, and even then, you still might not get one. But so if you were like to a system that allows a young, you know, 20 year old schmuck in New York to just buy 48 cars a year. Well, if you were buying 48 cars a year, then you'd be very high on their list because they'd be yeah. making a ton of money off of you. Yeah. And that's what he was trying to say. If people were like, because because what happened with him, which I didn't get to yet, is that he built all this trust in the community. And so he told his friends like or not his friends, but like people 
hey, I have an allocation for this new Ferrari that's coming out, this very special one. I won't I won't do names and models and stuff because people don't know. Yeah. But I have, you know, it's like a one of like, you know, a, a few hundred cars, right? And those are like unobtainable. You can't yeah. get them. You have to be invited. Like, and he was like, you know, I already have, he told people that he already had allocations for one. So he didn't need two of them. So he's going to sell his, his allocation to them. So now they have the right to buy that car when it's available. Right. Now, first of all, you can't do that without the dealer approving it. Right. Like right. number one, number two, he didn't actually have these allocations. So he was selling people these fake allocations um, for these cars that he didn't exist or that he didn't have the right to. Mm. Um, and he basically defrauded people out of like two and a half million dollars. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah. And and part of that also was that he, he Amex was suing him for $125,000. So he ended up going to, they ended up seizing a bunch of his assets, like millions of dollars of assets. Yeah. I uh, think to return it to those people. And he also got sentenced to prison for four and a half years. Uh, when, so, did he, when did he go to prison? Like, how long has he been in? Oh, this is this was just like announced like <clears throat> a few days ago. The guy, okay. if you want to look the guy up, well, doesn't matter. His name's Daniel uh, Lesin, L E S I N, L E S S N, L E S I N, Lesson. Yeah, Ferrari deposit scammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And look, like I was, I don't know, I was pretty close to this guy. Like we hung out a lot, you know, That's so funny. And, and this is recent, like not like, you know, back in college, it's like only in the last couple of years, like yeah. we were supposed to, we, we traveled together a lot. We went to racetracks a lot. We ate together, you know, in Greenwich, Connecticut, where he supposedly lived. Yeah. Um, you know, there was, there was just all kinds of things that you knew. I knew were like bullshit lies. Like one time he said he was going to like, he asked us if we wanted to fly on his jet to Tokyo, and we all made plans to do it because we thought it was going to be fun. And even some of my friends like booked a hotel in Tokyo. And the last minute, he came up with some excuse saying that he had can't have a tumor and he couldn't do it anymore. A tumor. And and I knew that was bullshit. I, I just knew. I knew that, he, that that there was there was no way that you was going to happen. Just sniff out when people lie sometimes. It's all because like, it, excuses are too convenient. Like, oh. because when you add it all up and you're like, huh, okay, so you have a big ass jet and you're going to fly to Tokyo, which is like, hmm, I would guess in the hundreds of thousands of dollars range to get you there. I mean, yeah. I don't know, but like, it's not cheap, you know, no, fuck it's fucking that. expensive. Um, you're just going to fly us there and like, like, come on now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like people, people who do that don't hang out with, with schmoes like me. It's just, it, it just didn't make sense. It was, like, it, was like, it was all like, we just know. But yeah. at the same time, he would always come back to the track with these like crazy cool cars. And so we just kind of like accepted him for being, you know, not forthcoming about who he was, but like, whatever, like he was just part of the group, you know, that is fascinating. Yeah. I guess the, it's like when I was younger, I never thought I'd know somebody and have been friends or would be friends with somebody who ended up being like a, a murderer but I guess anything is possible if you just live long enough and you never know who's going to turn out to be a real, you know, terrible person. Yeah. I mean, I guess I don't want to say that this Dan is a worse person than, than Kenneth. Right. No, of I, don't course think not. He's not. I think what Kenneth did is absolutely unforgivable in any sense of the word, you know, but Dan is like, he he exploits people like that's what he does that's how his brain works you know yeah. he wants to he wants to bilk them he wants to he he wants to 
take advantage of them in some way. And like, that's, that's all he thinks about is how he can, you know, come up with it. He's basically like the male Anasaurican. Like that's how I think of him. The, the male what? Anasaurican. Oh yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so your, your, your friend, uh, Daniel lesson, he, he faced, or he got 45 months in prison and my old buddy, Kenneth Saul, is facing 55 years in prison. Yeah. Anyway, that's oh the thing. That, you know what pisses me off is that he'll probably be fine somehow when he gets out. Yeah. And Anna Sorokin will probably be richer than she's ever been in her life. She already is. Yeah. You know, just because of what she did. Like, that pisses me off. That has nothing to do with Kenneth. Because obviously he won't get the same, thankfully, the same treatment. But, like, he's not going to do well. She's a, she's a fucking, like, you just don't look at people the same way who steal obviously as compared to people who murder understandably so but you know she you shouldn't also glorify them either you know like stop buying her fucking artwork stop stop giving them money you know yeah (laughs) ridiculous oh my god well mike i'm glad we got the opportunity to chat uh we had floated some ideas about um how regularly we're gonna try to put out episodes we haven't decided that yet but uh we'll be back with another episode soon yes absolutely yes all right. I'm, well, I'm, to I'm be glad back. you're. I'm glad you got another job and that you're back on your feet and that you're, uh, you know, uh, up and running. Big money, big money. Exactly. exactly I'm happy right. to. I'm happy to. I'm happy to. Oh, well, it's Thanks, good to man. see you again. Absolutely. And anyone, if you're looking for a job and you need some help, let me know. I, I I've done it many times, so I can help. All right, Mike's a good guy. If you need help, let us know. All right. All right, and we'll be back soon. Thank you for listening. 